So we started a series called Seek. Uh, it started at the beginning of the year. We believe, like I said, what we do in the first matters to God. And so in the first month of the year, it's important, and it's important every month. Uh, but specifically, we want to talk about what it looks like to seek God first this month. And uh, part of that is uh, we wrote this book. We got together as a team and we said, hey, we don't want to just have some sermons and have some services. While we think all that's very important, uh, we want something that we can live out in a practical way, that we can look at, that we can uh, measure and make attainable and, and make a connection to. And so uh, we talked about what does it look like? You know, can we write a goals book? Can we write some things? And then in it, what would we need to talk about? And so we basically narrowed it down to about six different segments, if you will, of life. Uh, that we write goals for and values for. And uh, I want to talk about them specifically today. But I want to encourage you, uh, pick up this book. They're free to you. You know, we don't make any money off this. It's not any kind of scheme that leads to any other thing. Uh, it's just free to you. It's to help you. I would encourage you, if you know somebody who would benefit from having one of these and would use one of these, pick it up in the hallway for them as well. It's free. Uh, we just want to partner and help people as much as we can with this stuff. And so that's all in the hallway. Get one on your way home. If you already wrote your goals, we think that's awesome. Uh, we wrote it in a way that you can continue to add to it. So if God speaks to you today in any way, you can take it and go back and add to your goals. Or if you want to get a new book, uh, that's great. Uh, whatever God is leading you to do, we encourage you to do. That's the purpose and why we have it. And um, I made this statement in my prayer. Uh, we use this scripture uh, called uh, says that we're more than conquerors in Christ. And I think a lot of times, especially in the charismatic circle, you hear that in terms of like a really big thing. Uh, it's, you know, it's usually like a, a big healing or, uh, you know, somebody's got this big uh, thing maybe in their career or and you're more than conquerors. And we know that's true. And, and we believe that. Uh, but I wonder if God would say that to us and want us to have that mindset in every even simple opportunity in our life. For an example, it would be maybe when we write goals. It's the beginning of the year and we set down some things that we're believing God for us to do and that we want to see God do in our families and in our churches and in our careers. I wonder if God would say, look, I just want you to know about your goals. You're more than conquerors, meaning this is super easy for you to do. This is, you're able to do this. Uh, all of us in here have failed uh, goals or maybe resolutions or what do you say? Maybe, we, you know, we didn't save enough money or we didn't make budget or we didn't lose the weight we wanted or we didn't, you know, whatever. Uh, but I'm here to tell you today that maybe we should put on the mindset when we write goals that we're a people who are more than able, we're more than conquerors in Christ. This isn't just an idea. This is an ability that God has given us to achieve the goals that he spoke to us. Amen. I thought about this. The scripture says in Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Again, a lot of church culture might preach, be careful, tomorrow's promise to no man. You might get in a car crash and die and go to hell. And there's truths to all that kind of stuff. But maybe the scripture is just saying, listen, number your days. Lay out your days. What are your goals? What are your passions? What are your dreams? What are your desires? Why don't you take those days and number them? Why don't you write a, a goal book? Why don't you make templates? Why don't you put things in place where you can measure your days in a way that you see success because you've only been given few? Are you with me? Yeah. We also know that the scripture says that when you get to heaven and you see Jesus, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, because God's eye is on what we're doing with our days. It doesn't matter uh, what happens, uh, you know, in your ideas or your creativities or like what God's looking at, like what we've done with our days for the kingdom. 
not where you've lived or who you've known or what you, God is looking at what we've done for the kingdom with our days. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to lay these out. A mentor of mine, uh, he gives us this statement. He says this all the time. Uh, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. Meaning a lot of times, many of us, we don't set measurable goals or we don't communicate maybe with our spouses or our employees or our, or our careers. We don't write anything out. We don't make any goals and essentially you end up hitting nothing. And, and then you look back on your year and you feel like, what? You've accomplished nothing and I'm just going through the motions and I've had a, another depressing year and nothing's happened. Well, set some goals, set some things that you can achieve and celebrate and be excited about. Are you with me? So I think when he's saying measure the days, pay attention to all your days, it's because like excitement and life is found when you write all things out and you live as more than a conqueror and you see God move in your life when we meet goals. Are you with me? I thought about this. They say in leadership that most people, they will overshoot their goal in one year and they'll significantly undershoot their goals in a five-year span. So as you're writing your goals, as you're going before God, you know, think about, uh, God, what do you want to do, not just in this year, but in, in the long term? What, you know, I'm going to use this book to develop this year, but it's also going to play into what I want to do long term. Uh, you know, the scripture, you know, so it's, it's saying like, the, what happens if, if you go online right now, you jump online, and you go, yeah, 2017 or beginning of the year weight loss plan. I'm going to just, they're going to go on there and it's going to be like, lose 30 pounds in 30 days. And it's a major overshoot. Uh, how many in here have lost 30 pounds in 30 days? If you did see me in my office, I need to talk to you. I need some help. But uh, not you, Eli. Our CrossFit guy's here, so I'm going to, I've listened to you enough, Eli. Not listened to you. I've heard you enough. <laughs> I love Eli. If you're looking for a good place to work out, CrossFit Holland uh, off, what is it, Lakewood now? Lakewood. Uh, so go see him. Don't see the other guys. They're terrible. Just kidding. He loves all them, and they all love each other, and they work out and pick up heavy things. Uh, but true story, right? It's, it's exactly what the st statistics are showing us that everybody in the beginning goes, oh, 30 days, 30, you way overshoot in one year. Uh, but if you can think long-term, number your days, set in achievable things. I'm not saying you make it real easy. By 2025, I'm going to stop drinking soda. You know, like let's, we can probably do a little better than that. You know, I've been trying for 10 years, but uh, anyway, but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying don't make it too easy. But, but just, you know, measure it out. Just number your days. Pay attention to it. And then we say this all the time. The largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. Well, how do we close the gap in between what we know to do and what we actually do? It's taking a book like this and it's writing action steps to every area of our life. It's saying, God, this is what we want to do and we want to get there. How do we get there? We use action steps to close that gap. And uh, some might sit here and say, well, this is not the most spiritual thing I've ever heard. Well, it is because God talks very much about how we steward our lives. Uh, he says, if you're faithful in the little, he'll give you more. Many of us sit in here and ask God for increase, and God looks back at us and says, hey, just number your days, take care of things, be a good steward of what you have with you now, and I can give you the more, All right, amen? And then this is a big one. They say, here's a huge reason why people don't meet their goals. In the beginning of the year, it's a new you resolution. Beginning of the year, I'm going to focus on me, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to set my goals, and it's a new you. It's a new year. It's a new you resolution. And then what happens is something happens in your life, and you start spending more time paying attention to somebody else's life than you do your own. An offense happens or a thing or this person, a promotion or this thing happens, and you get so hurt 
and you start numbering, you stop numbering your days and paying attention to your things and you start getting in somebody else's business and you get off your own course. I thought about in our lives, it's the same thing. If we can just stay focused, like the scripture says, seek first, keep your eyes on kingdom and righteous living. Don't get caught up in all the other things. You'll probably meet and match your goals. Amen. First Corinthians 9:26 says, so I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. I mean, you know, come fight time, they don't get in a ring and swing at nothing. They've put something in front of them that they're going to take down. Many of us live our lives with nothing in the ring. I'm going to have a great 2017 and you climb in the 2017 ring and you have nothing to swing at because you haven't set goals, you haven't put measures, you haven't put anything in place. And then therefore, at the end of the year, you look back at what you did and you've done nothing. You've swung at the air. God's saying, let's, let's pick some things. Amen. Yeah. Habakkuk 2.2. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Scripture saying it like this, like, seek me, go to me, set your goals, set your plans, put things in order. And then the way that it works is this. You run over, oh, it's June. I'm going to go back to the goals here. I'm going to take a look at, okay, yep, that's what we said. That's our thing. And then you get to go run with it again. It's like you're getting in the huddle with God and you're looking at what the play is and you get to run back out and execute it. We got to trust God for some measurable, practical achievable goals in our life, and we'll see God move. Amen? I feel like there's so many people, especially in the kingdom of God, move of God, whatever you'd say, that are just praying for God, we want a miracle. God, we want revival. And he's like, cool, me too. Just go out and start doing some things. Put together a couple steps and go do those, and you'll see revival come. Amen? I'd let, we put this in the book. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. Meaning just us not having our minds made up about how we want to live and what we want to do is what's robbing you from great opportunity. We got to just go to God and say, okay, what do you want us to do this year? Second Chronicles 15, seven says, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. God is a God who is a rewarder of those who diligently or goalfully or measurably seek him, Right? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligent is in a way that you've put things in order. You've measured and stewarded and put things in your life that he can step in and reward. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> so six goals. Uh, just These are ideas. These are just talking points. These are ways that we can kind of banter. Uh, Jess and I, we're working on these things. We're putting all this stuff. We just had a conversation about last night about some goals that we want to continue to add to our stuff. And so for us... Uh, this is just talking points. These are some things we can think about. And so number one, uh, we put in the book, one of the ways you can write action steps and have goals are, what are the goals for your family, your, your household? You have your home. Uh, you're called to steward that and lead that. And so uh, what are some of the goals that you have for your family? I, I think a good question to ask yourself uh, and your family is, what does a prayer life look like for my family? What does a prayer life look like? And, and how much should it be or shouldn't it be? And how do we pray? And uh, I think there's a big injustice that happens to our relationship with God when we make a goal about prayer that's like this. You must pray at the table, at bedtime, at this kind of stuff. I wouldn't write a goal that, that's that way. I'll give you a pastoral confession. And it's fine if you want to just get up and leave the church right now. I can handle that. But my wife and I, and my four-year-old and almost two-year-old, we actually don't pray before every dinner. I know, I know. <laughs> because 
it's sometimes a miracle to just even get the kids to the table dressed and like capable of eating. And okay, you with me? What I'm trying to say is this. If your prayer goals become so routine that they become religious, you're going to lose the relationship part of it with God. So to say, oh, our prayer goal needs to be blah, 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 you're going to miss it by a mile. I'm saying there is a feel, there's a culture, there is a uh, sensitivity that you should have to time of prayer. Your kids, moments, we... We went to the RV show uh, in Grand Rapids, and uh, we took, well, first of all, we couldn't go to Chick-fil-A, which is where God lives now, <laughs> but he used to live, we tried, it was too busy, but he used to live at the Beltline Bar, so we went there to see if there was like a remnant left of God, but he is still at Chick-fil-A, but anyway, so my, it was just my wife and I, just no kids, we enjoyed ourselves, went to Beltline Bar. But we took Division Street home. And it's freezing cold outside, and y'all know where I'm going with this. We saw many people sitting on the side of the road where we just left, literally, like all of you do, like all of us do. We just left the restaurant, got in the car. Oh my God, I ate too much. Oh, I'm so full. Oh my God, why did you let me? And then we drove down to Division Street and saw people sharing out of a bag because they made it to the right shelter in time. And, they, and so we did not pull over the car and say, oh, we, you know, this is a moment for us. We, we're, we're talking, we're, we're having a moment. Our heart's breaking for the city and for the people. We're very involved and we care and we have measures in our life where we participate in that. I'm not saying it's like a lack that we feel but still in our hearts and in our convictions, we stopped and we acknowledged what was happening. Now, we didn't get out and join hands and pray together, but together in our conversation and in our heart interactions, we said prayers together about how we're gonna live. Are you with me? So what I'm saying is to go, let's join hands together. God, help us to be more conscious of and just... No, I'm saying that prayer can be a living, functioning, ongoing conversation. Like when the scripture says you pray without ceasing, it's being in a, from your inside connection to your kids and to your spouse. This is a thing we're like in prayer about. We're in intercession and conversation with God about. Are you with me? And there's times with our kids, it's the same thing. We know in that moment, whatever that you know with your kids, where it's like, this is a good place to stop and pray or talk or have an ongoing conversation with God about what it looks like to live a certain way, right? Yep. That's what I'm saying. You should know what that looks like in your family. And there's going to be measurable goals. We get together and we pray before bed and we do these things. We have that too. But I'm saying you, you should, as your family, sit down and say, what does prayer look like for us? What does meaningful prayer look like? And it could start with a devotion and it could start with a scripture, but you got to lead your family into a place of prayer life, right? Church life. What does church life look like? I'm going to be a pastor. I'm the pastor. And so I'm going to be up here and beat the drum about church attendance. But I think in your life, it's frustrating to me that much of the conversation that happens with church attendance goes like this. On a Sunday morning, there's a conversation that happens in the household of, 
Are we or aren't we going to church today? It's determined on a Sunday morning. I think that the only time that conversation should happen is when you're overlooking your calendar and as a family, you're leading your family in a way that you realize based on these things that we have coming, that we've pre-planned and put in place, these are the dates we're probably going to miss church. Not how do we feel this morning? Does the dog have the sniffles? You know, we left him outside a little too long. We better stay home and check on him. That preaches real good in here, right? Thank you. If anyone wants to get up and wave a hanky or anything, go ahead. It's none of you guys. I'm talking about first service. But, but I do think the way that we lead our family should be predetermined. I realize stuff comes up and sick and all these little things happen. But I do think that we can do a better job as people honoring a Sabbath day with God where we put him first in our week. Amen? And so predetermine it. Write the goal. I would physically write in a book, this is how many days that we're going to attend a church. You pick out a 52, uh, this is going to be the goal that we're striving for. We feel like it's important for our family to be in the house of God this many days. And I think God honors that. Amen? Quality time. In your family, what does quality time look like? Uh, there's a preacher who's hilarious, and he preaches real strongly, and uh, he says it like this. He says, uh, if the devil can't make you evil, he'll make you busy, you know, and it's true. There's so much truth to that, and you're going to remember that. Uh, there's so much truth to that, but that's the truth. Many of us aren't going to fall away into some crazy sin and get taken out, but many of us will miss what God has for us because we're too busy. We have too much in front of us that's not important, that shouldn't be something we participate in. And so you need to determine the same way. You sit down and you say, what does quality time look like? How, and we are terrible at this. We're always adjusting this, Jess and I. How many nights do we feel like it's important for our family to be home? How many nights of the week are we writing down that we're going to be home? And what does quality time look like? Uh, Pastor Brady Boyd said in the uh, Addicted to Busy book, he said uh, that you have a bedhead day where you literally, you don't do your hair, you don't get out of your pajamas, you put all your phones away, you disconnect. I think that sounds like witchcraft, but it's fine. <laughs> but you work towards what quality time looks like, undistracted, important, and you write it in. in here's the measurable steps that we're going to take to get this, uh, to get to this. And then simple things. Uh, what's household fairness? I think you can eliminate a ton of arguments if you sit down as a family and you say, what's household fairness? What are the kids going to participate in chores? What is dad going to do around the house? What's mom going to do around the house? What is household fairness? What does it look like uh, in order to do this? Uh, what, what kids uh, need raises in their allowance? I mean, household fairness, we got to talk about a raise in allowance, right? All right. So, uh, there's household fairness. Jeremy's going to beat me up in the part. Like I'm getting the death eye already, but, but just, I think you eliminate so much stress and strife. And if you sit down as a family and you agree, like, look, here's our goals and here's what we believe household fairness is. And if you keep up this and we keep up this, it's going to be the best way and God's going to honor it. Are you with me? Most people believe in this as an idea. We just don't put it in place as an executable. Are you with me? Uh, projects. Literally, just have some fun. Sit down with this book and say, you know, you, you remember, honey, for like 10 years, I've been trying to get that light bulb changed. <laughs> you remember that thing there? Uh, can we do that project this year? Can we get that changed? Uh, I'll confess to you, uh, it's been almost three years since we lived in our home, and we had wonderful, um, unintelligent people come help us move, mostly being Dan LaCour's. Uh, is he here? He, where is he? Oh, he's over here. He's, yeah, he's the one, like, not that Dan, a different Dan. <laughs> 
come and, uh, and this is on me, not on you. I'm not like trying to embarrass you at all. This is on me. Um, but he dropped my dryer through my wall. And um, it's a high efficiency energy star rated. So I think my wife has like carried it up and down the stairs since then. I don't know how you dropped it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but this is the part where I talk about me. Immediately, I patched it. Uh, I patched it. Not a big deal. We love Dan. He's just amazing around here for real. Uh, he's just amazing. Serves. Anytime there's an opening, uh, we as a staff are like, ah, I just hope you know, somebody, and, and Dan LaCour's first one on there to pick up the thing. And I, I'm not sure if it's because he hates my preaching and it's just easier to do other things. I'm just kidding. I love Dan. But uh, patched it right away. Patched it right away. But I'm telling you, after two and a half years, it's just still mud. Sand. I've sanded it, but it's just the mud on the wall. It's been there so long that when people come over, they're like, oh, that thing on the wall. And I'm like, oh, oh, that, you mean the art? That, that thing? Oh, oh, you don't get it? Oh, that you probably don't understand art. That's just a thing. You know, you probably don't get it. It's fine. But just have some fun. Write out some projects. What are some things that you want to do that you want to accomplish? Just write them out and put them into your year. And it just helps life go better. Measure the goals. Measure the days. Like, see God step in and help you push things through. Amen? Um, last night, we talked about not all of these goals are chores. Not all of these are to-do lists. Or uh, write in some fun stuff. There's probably some places in your life that you've said, man, one day we got to get the kids and bring them up to whatever. Maybe a place you used to go or a thing that you used to do. We got to take them up to see what, write that in. This is your year to do that. This is your year to say, you know, yeah, we are going to take them there. We're going to make sure that we get to go visit this or see that thing. Write those goals in, measure them. God will honor it and step in with you. Last night we said uh, in Grand Rapids, we were, we were at the dirt bike thing with our kids and uh, Jess and I, I said, you know what we should do? There's so many new restaurants and stuff in Grand Rapids. We read an article about uh, the most anticipated uh, things that open this year in Grand Rapids. And I said, hey, let's make that one of our goals. Let's just go to 10 places we've never been in Grand Rapids. Let's just make it a fun thing that we get to do together. So we're going to write all those in. And uh, I think those are ways that you write goals and you see God, the scripture says, that God will give you the desires of your heart. And I believe that when you write the vision for it, God participates in it and sees you through. And some of it's spiritual and some of it's practice and things that we need to work on. Some of it, it can be your fun stuff. Amen? Number two, health uh, is a big deal to us. Uh, Health, uh, the scripture says here that 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. Scripture goes on to say, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Uh, We all work on this. We all have places that we can get better. I'm first in line saying there's things that we need to adjust. Uh, But I want you to think about, just literally write down. This year for me, here's some ways that we're going to look at doing things different. I used to be able to brag and say, oh man, you know, I'm somebody, I don't need that much sleep. Uh, I can function without that much sleep. I stay up real late. Uh, But the more that I'm learning about sleep, the more that I realize whether I get away with it or not, I need more sleep just in study and things that they're coming out with. It's really important for you to set a rhythm in your sleep pattern. Just helps you long term, blah, blah, blah. So literally just do a little research this year and determine uh, if you, you know, for me, it feels ridiculous for me to go to bed before midnight. Uh, you know, I've bought like a robe and some slippers and now I just go to bed like before midnight. Um, and so you just, you know, before, like Fallon's not even on yet. Why are we going to bed? I don't know what's happening. Uh, but sleep, you got to look at things like sleep. What are some habits? What are some health things? What are some habits that really are just, you know, detrimental to your health? 
Uh, there's things that we participate in habitually that if I walked up to you with a vial and said, hey, do you mind if I inject this into you directly? You'd be like, absolutely not. But yet our habits continue to pump those things into our body. Are you with me? We need to say, okay, God, I'm trusting you in measurable goals that I'm going to decrease these things from here to here to here to here to here, and that you can participate with me and help me get free from these things. Are you with me? Supplements. Uh, there's some things maybe you just need to get on some vitamins and pay attention to your temple. Your body is something that we need to take care of. Pace is a big one. Uh, we saw in the Addicted to Busy book that he said, your body is built to need sabbatical or times of shutdown and rest and recovery. Uh, he made a statement that said, the things that we see, whether they be heart attack or stroke or some of these major things, it's literally your body saying, you have not given me my sabbatical, my shutdown, and it chooses to do it for you, right? And so I believe that we have to build in pace into our life. And then uh, maybe for some of us, counseling for your health. Uh, we just say, hey, uh, Jess and I, we regularly go to a counselor. And, uh, you know, we, it's just something that's good for us. There's a lot of things in your life that you hear and that you deal with. And there's stuff that is weighing on you that you're not meant to carry by yourself. And so whether it be a counselor or you start coming to a Bible study and you meet some people in small group that you can talk to and interact with, either way, it's important for your health for us to have somebody that we can talk to. Amen? Yeah. So that's number two. That's health. Uh, number three is finances. The scripture says in Proverbs 28, 20, it says a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will go, will not go unpunished. Basically, if you're chasing stuff, if you're somebody who's after things and more stuff and all this kind of stuff, a rich lifestyle, lavish life, if you're after all, God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be taken care of. I believe God wants to prosper his people. But if you're doing it in a pursuit of that stuff first, instead of God first, you'll miss the blessing, the true blessing. And so the scripture saying a faithful person, the scripture says that we're called to be stewards. Everything that we have is God's. We're stewards of it. Are you with me? We manage it. We're stewards of it. We're faithful with it. And so we need to take a look at our money as how we steward it, which means this, you need to know your numbers. You need to know your numbers. If you're a steward, if you're a manager, if God hired you to be somebody who takes care of his money, if he came down and asked you how much you spent on out to eat last month and you don't have that answer, that would be an issue for him, right? Because he's having you manage his money. And uh, some of us don't like that idea or that terminology, but God says that every good and perfect gift, everything that we have has been given to us by God. He calls us to be stewards of our resources. You should be able to give an account for how we spend our money. Anytime somebody, or in my own life, I've gotten out of sword or I've gotten behind or I've gotten in rough shape, it's because I've lost track of where I was at in my stewardship with my resources. How many are with me? Anytime you've gotten in trouble, you've just all of a sudden looked at everything in front of you and you said, oh my gosh, how did I get here? You lost stewardship of it. And so in our resources, we need to know our numbers. A big part of our knowing our numbers is being able to manage what we want and what we need. My daughter is four years old and she uses the word need in front of everything. And we think it's ridiculous, right? As a parent, like, yeah, you don't need that. But all we actually do is grow up to be adults who do and say those same things. I need, no, you don't, you want that. And so we got to steward our lives and look at our finances and write some goals that say, hey, this is the difference between what we need and what we want. Now, I'm not saying you take all the fun out of your life. What I'm actually saying is when you steward your resources in a way between want and need and you manage things, your wants 
get to get a little bit more money because of the way that you've managed some things, right? Like that's just how it works. So I'm not saying, well, you know, everybody needs to get rid of Netflix and everybody needs to cut cable. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying know your numbers, steward them and seek God first in your resources. And the scripture promises you'll have everything else that you need. Amen. I believe in fun with your resources. You need to write some goals into your finances that is fun. I see the scripture says that you should number your days. And so you should pay attention to the days that you have. There are some people that are so caught up in saving and saving and saving and saving that they've gone their whole life not doing anything, not enjoying life, not enjoying their kids, not participating in uh, their community and in their life because all they've done is save, 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 save. I believe that God has given you some things for you to enjoy. Are you with me? So manage things, steward some things, and then number your days and enjoy your kids, enjoy your family, do some things that are recreational. Amen? Not that kind of recreational. That's been given a bad, bad name these days, I guess, huh? Save up some money for recreational reasons. I thought about it like this. Uh, our 10-year anniversary is coming up, Jess and I, in September. Our 10-year anniversary. And because we've stewarded and managed and we know our numbers and we look at everything, we always know where we're at. It's our 10-year anniversary. I've been able to plan to do some things. So at September and our anniversary, we're going to have an awesome time at Craig's Cruisers. We're going to be able to go out and get her like 100 tokens, and we're going to kill it because stewardship has been a big part of what we do. Um, but for real, practical things. Literally, take your goals book, write out numbers. Like for us at Christmas, it was awesome. Uh, Jess, uh, my wife, uh, has a craft room, and uh, I'm not allowed in it, so I didn't know any of this was happening. Uh, but all throughout the year, because of the way that we steward, when there's a really good deal on gifts and things, and she sees stuff on sale, she would get the kids their gifts. And uh, of course, give it to the North Pole, and Santa would bring it back. But we had all these things, and when Christmas came, we had all their gifts done at a very, very affordable rate. Why? Because throughout the year, we numbered our days, we measured our stuff, and we put it all together. And so come Christmas, we didn't have this overwhelming debt and burden of, oh, we got to go get all this stuff at the time. We measured our days, and we stewarded it in a way. And so I'm saying just write that stuff out. Sit down with your calendar and budget things in. Um, anyway, I won't get into budgeting class stuff, but it's fun. You know, when you live in the freedom of managing and numbering your days and all that kind of stuff, it's a lot of fun. Number four, your career. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 2.24, it says, nothing is better for a man than to have that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. Uh, scripture saying you should live in a way that you enjoy what you do. You, you enjoy the fact that it gives you something to eat and drink, but you love what you do. And so uh, manage your days and number your time. And a big part of it is this. You may not love what you do right now, but the scripture says that you should do your work unto the Lord. And I believe that when you do your work unto the Lord and you trust him and you measure your days and you're doing it all unto God, I believe that he opens doors for you. He'll open the door to you that is a place that you can enjoy your labor. Are you with me? So write out your goals where you say, I'm going to be faithful in the little. I'm going to pay attention to the details. I'm going to honor my boss. I'm going to follow through on all these things. You put goals in your life where you help yourself do those things. You'll see God do amazing stuff. And then also in your career, marketplace ministry. Look around your life. Look around your career and go, what are the places that I can minister to people and help people? You don't have to just minister to people in church. Look in your careers and see how you can make a difference in people. Uh, I got to go fast. Number five, uh, the community. You heard me mention earlier, uh, our community is a big deal. The scripture says uh, that you should be involved in places and come into gatherings. Do not forsake together gathering together where you spur each other around toward good works. You should be involved in your community. I believe that God still assigns his people to territory. 
if you've been moved here or sent here or you grew up here, it's because God wants you to be here. And so your zip code, your territory, all of those things matter because God says that we're called to be a light in those things. So think about ways that you can give back and serve and outreach center and Kids Hope and different ways in your community that you can make a difference. So write goals for how your family considers others and how you consider your territory and your community. And then lastly, number six, I'll close with this. Spiritually, you should consider your life and your goals. Uh, the scripture says in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You never graduate from God's school and get a badge that says you know everything. Uh, it, it says with God that we're, we should abound more and more. The Apostle Paul says in one writing that it's his prayer that we abound more and more, meaning we continue to grow in God and continue to grow in God. And so write goals for in your prayer life, your worship time, your Bible devotions, whatever it is, all those places that you practically grow more. Uh, for you, it may be a book on tape or it may be you know, the audio version of the Bible, whatever it is, write some goals where you're abounding in God more. He honors that, amen? And then all of those things, prayer, worship, Bible, all of those things lead to what God has given us, we give back to others. And so it means serving and sharing. I think you need to sit down and go, in my spiritual life, all these things I've been given, how much time am I gonna give in my life to give back? Is it serving at church? Is it serving in the outreach center? Is it both? Is it Kids Hope? Is it all of it? You take a look at your life and ask God, what's the number that I'm gonna measure and put down that I'm gonna achieve this year in serving and giving back because of all that God has given to me, amen? And then think of it like this. Mark Batterson says, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. There is nothing God loves more than keeping promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. And then I'll say it like this. Most of us don't miss it because it's not possible. Most of us miss it because we give up. Oh, it didn't work. It didn't come together. Somewhere along the line, it was you who stopped. It was you who backed out or didn't believe. It was us who gave up too early. Most of the time, the pieces are there. We just stop putting it together. Let's be a people who write goals and set measures and number our days so that we can pay attention, so that we can look back on 2017 and say, oh my gosh, look what the Lord has done. Like, look at this book. It's, and we're not gonna make it all. I, and I'm not saying we can't, but I'm just saying you write it, you measure it, you pay attention to it. Put it in your calendar now to get the book back out and take a look at it, add to it. God can do amazing things if we write it clear, the scripture says, so that we may run with it. Amen.